Welcome to The CA, a podcast about news, current events, and commentary on all things atheism from a Canadian perspective. This podcast carries the explicit tag and wears it like a motherfucking badge of honor. So if you get offended, switch off. The CA records each Sunday live from Apostasy Studios. For more, please visit our Facebook page for the latest news, updates, and previews on some upcoming shows. You can email us at theca at rogers.com, and if we're amused or tweaked by your email, we'll use it on the show. And now, here are Michael and Dean. All right, hello, and welcome to the CA. Today is Sunday, April 16th. I'm Michael. I am Dean. And uh, this is a big deal. It's a big deal, everybody. Buckle up. Um... So we got a lot, uh, a lot of stuff planned for today. Uh, very, very excited to share that uh, on this episode, we're going to have um, my, sadly only my, uh, recorded uh, conversation interview with uh, David Fitzgerald. Uh, for those of you who don't know, David is the author of Nailed, uh, 10 Christian Myths That Show Jesus Never Existed at All. He's also the author of the complete heretics guide to western religions uh book one was on the mormons absolutely hysterical if you have not read that you need to get it um and he came on to talk about uh the next book or actually and we'll learn this um you'll learn this during the interview there's actually three books uh and it's jesus mything uh no i don't have a lisp uh mything in action it's a little play on words super funny so that'll be coming up. So Dean and I will be doing um, uh, kind of our regular stuff. We're going to do the news. We're going to do a fallacy. Uh, and then we're going to jump into the interview. And then that'll uh, wrap up for the day. Nail is so, a really good book, too. I just read it before uh, we were supposed to do the interview. Unfortunately, I was uh, at a conflict, a uh, scheduling conflict, so I wasn't able to join the interview. I would have loved to have been there, though. But uh, we'll have to uh, miss my lovely voice for that interview. <laughs> the sultry tones. It was because I, like the the last interview, I wasn't I wasn't available for that one either. So I'm kind of rising from the dead here on Easter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> zombie Dean. <clears throat> well, we should say that. Yeah, it's it's Easter. Um, the day where nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As so, we will find out talking to David. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, and it's it it's so funny. Actually, any nothing ever actually happened at this date. It's it's so funny because you know we. Um, you know, we, we spend time talking about, you know, all these different things and, you know, this, this past week, which, you know, quote unquote, Holy week, right. Started with good Friday and I was really, I was posting all kinds of shit on Facebook. Um, you know, silly profile pictures and cover photos. And I was asking kind of provocative questions all week long, you know, saying, uh, cause, cause the whole idea for me, um, and I took kind of a page out of Christopher Hitchens, you know, this, this idea of vicarious redemption, Right. That through the, through the torture and murder of someone who was, by, who had to be, according to the story, yeah. innocent yeah. of crime, to save me from sin, which I think is a made up thing anyway. Which you haven't, which you haven't even done though. Exactly. You're born into sin. I was born into sin. I'm a bad guy. You do nothing and you're, yeah. and you're automatically exactly. sinned. What I do? Until you're born again. You were born. Until you're born again. So the the funny thing, well, there's lots of funny, there's lots of funny things about it, but um, so so some of the stuff I was posting on some of the stuff I was posting on Facebook this week, you know, it's like if you. If you witnessed something like that, 
You know, it's like if you were there. So, okay, hang on. First we have to say if it happened. If it happened and you were there and you saw this horrific thing happening, would you be okay with that? You know, it's like, especially because you know the person's innocent. Or at least, you know, in the, you know, in the eyes of reality, it's innocent. Yeah, innocent. well, you'd have to be, you'd, you'd have to be, depending on who you're talking about. If you're just somebody showing up to see somebody get tortured, then obviously you just assume they're guilty. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the other thing that I find really funny is, it's, uh, it was a meme going around Facebook, you know, it's like, uh, it was Jesus knocking on a door. You know, and it's like, the meme is like, you know, knock, knock, who is it? Um, or no, the knock is like, knock, knock, let me in. Uh, why? So I can save you. From what? From what you? From what I'm going to do to you if you don't let me in? Uh, it's like, no, it is so stupid. You know, it's like, if you, so you think about the process. It's like, so, so God, and we're going off topic a little bit here, but fuck it, whatever. Um, God creates everything, but he doesn't do it right. So then he fucking obliterates everything in a flood. He fucked right? up a few times. Yeah. Now, okay, well, this is, you know, take two, snap, snap, take two. Uh, but that didn't work either. So now he's got to send uh, Jesus um, in to save the day. And, but, but if you think about it, and this was another meme that was kind of floating around, but it's, but it's very fitting. You know, it's like the idea that God has to send his son, who's really him, but not, but is, to die to forgive the sins that he didn't fix in the first place when he was supposed to fix everything. And it's to save us from what he's going to do to us. If he's this omnipotent, omniscient being, why doesn't he just say, you're forgiven? Yeah, there's a whole time, there's a whole bunch of things that he could just automatically just he could just do. Yeah, being the creator of the universe, that he doesn't do. Oh, questions for the ages. There's a great site called Why Doesn't God Heal Amputees? Oh yes, that's and right. It's just like yeah, like if you're a devout and you believe and you lost a leg through you know whatever and stepping on a landmine whatever it is, um, why doesn't the creator of the universe grow your leg back? Well, you would think that in the course of human history, he would do like one, <laughs> right? Like someone who was particularly pious, right? Yes. Someone who was like super good. Um, uh, Mother Teresa, who was a beast of a woman. Yes. Um, if you haven't read The Missionary Position by Christopher Hitchens, uh, pick that up, people. Because um, it's, uh, he gives an absolutely scathing um, uh, look. Uh, but it's all backed up. Uh, with everything and uh, like it's all back up with citation and evidence. Uh, this this woman, this horrible person, uh, Agnes Bujashu, was her name. Uh, this Albanian wingnut, m- known as Mother Teresa. She what did she eventually die of? Well, she was like three thousand years old when she died. Mm-hmm. But what did she eventually die? Was it cancer? I think so. Okay, this woman spends her whole life going around doing good shit, right? Good. Shit. Okay. Why wouldn't she be healed? Mm-hmm. Like if you were gonna heal somebody, that's a good person to heal. Yeah. If you can do it, well, of course you're God. You can do anything, <laughs> right? Well, Hitchens like even said like for Bill and the so like, she set up these death houses to sequester the sick away into. Right? Oh yeah, it, um, she's quoted as saying that uh, suffering was a gift from God. Yeah. 
you know, and that was, you know, your lot and all these other things. Horrible, horrible. What a fucking nasty... I'm glad she's dead. Um, okay, so let's jump into uh, to news. Um, Dean, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first this time. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a story uh, somewhat recent um, from Indonesia of a gay couple that was beaten on video and then handed over to... Uh, the religious police. So if you're at all inclined towards that, uh, that uh, quote-unquote alternative lifestyle, don't live in Indonesia. It's a majority, uh, Muslim-majority uh, state. Um, I can't, I don't know the, pronounce, the proper pronunciation. Asia? Um, Shia. A-C-E-H is the name of the city in Indonesia. Oh, fuck. I thought you were saying Shia no, Muslim. Okay. No, Asi? I don't know. That's what we're going to call it. That's what we're going to call it. Um, <laughs> it's now, that is the name of the city now. <laughs> so there's a video that captures uh, a moment uh, with two, main, two gay men are, are assaulted. Uh, vigilantes who caught them having sex and then turned them over to the religious police. So there's some shaky video of a man talking on a phone. Uh, he's nude and he's talking on the phone. And then he gets hit in the head um, and rocks backwards. Um, and then one intruder is heard um, shouting... In the clip, as the uh, naked man cowers in the corner, is uh, continued. The, Were they shouting "World the Star, World Star"? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was something not in English. Um, anyway, the, the 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 two men are going on trial in an Islamic court for having gay sex, um, and could receive a hundred strokes from the cane if found guilty. Oh, I thought when you got a hundred strokes, I thought that maybe right up their alley. <laughs> That's not such a bad. <laughs> Um, I'll only take five. Yeah, <laughs> it's all I need. I'll be done in five. No, <laughs> can I get these hundred strokes over time? Hundred. Yeah, can can I get them in installments? <laughs> I'll take five now. Yeah. Uh, and then Tuesday I'll take five more. <laughs> Actually, Tuesday I may need ten. Yeah, let me uh, let me let me recover. Um, <laughs> officials in the conservative province of a C a C, uh, um said sparking recalls of the release. So there's, there are officials who are asking for them to be released. Um, Asi is the only province in the Muslim majority in, in Indonesia that criminalizes same-sex relations, um, that uses Sharia as its legal co- in its co- legal code in addition to the National Criminal Code. So Human Rights Watch has called on Indonesia to release these two men, uh, detained last month. I'm surprised... What? Ugh. I'm surprised that, that it's only this hundred lashes thing because so much of Sharia, from what I've read, and I'm not an expert by any stretch, um, please feel free to email us to carogers.com and let me know everything I don't know about Sharia law or Sharia. I guess, yeah, because I read somewhere once that Sharia means law. Mm. And so that when you say Sharia law, you're saying law law. <laughs> <clears throat> um, let me know if I'm wrong about that too. Anyway, um, I, I read that essentially almost everything is death. <laughs> yeah. Well, it says in 2014, SC enacted a law that punishes anybody caught engaging in consensual gay sex with a hundred lashes, a hundred months in jail, or a fine of a thousand grams of gold. How much is a thousand grams of gold? A kilogram. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Like two pounds. 2.5 pounds. Two point. That's two like point two. 40 ounces. And gold's like how much? It's like thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks an ounce. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not cheap. Holy fuck! I'll take my strokes. 
It also sets out punishments for sex crimes, unmarried that. people. You missed that. I'll take my strokes. <laughs> I worked so um, hard on that. Sex crimes, unmarried people engaging in displays of affection. Can't even display affection if you're PDAs, unmarried. PDAs, low PDAs. Yeah. Adulterous relationships and underage sex. Okay, I get the... Okay. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry. I don't get the idea of punishing adulterous relationships. I think you just leave the... I think you just leave the, the other half of the married couple to that. Yeah. Right? They'll get them. Um, the rest of... Uh, yeah. Well, underage stuff, shouldn't that just be a, a given? Don't, you know, don't fuck kids? Well, it depends what they, what they uh, deem as underage, too. Like, what is their limit? I don't know. Don't ask Muhammad. <laughs> 339 <clears throat> people in 2016 uh, were caned for a range of crimes according to Human Rights Watch that's so, crazy yeah. that's fucked right up oh. so things are going well in Indonesia for, for the gays yeah, no no the antithesis of going well yeah. um, wow that's, that's messed up man alright so this is also from Right Wing Watch uh, Pastor Lance while now, um, reported that a gay bar owner was cured of homosexuality by eating anointed cake. Hallelujah. Exactly. <clears throat> Praise the baker. Um, so while streaming a video over a Periscope, I don't know if any of you know what Periscope is. It's like this, um, it's kind of like Facebook Live, mm-hmm. I guess. It's a 24 hour thing. Yeah, I've never used it, but, um... You know, I know it's not. I know they didn't do it. This story from a submarine is what I'm saying. Basically, it's Periscope up. <clears throat> Periscope last weekend. Uh, this ultra right wing pastor Lance Wanley received a message from a viewer saying that she needed prayers that would help deliver her son from homosexuality. That message prompted Wanley to recall an incident he heard about recently, in which a gay bar owner was supposedly delivered. Uh, from his life of sin after eating cake which had been prepared and prayed over by Christians. It was an anointed cake, Wanu said. And they made uh, the cake and gave it as a gift, and then he ate the cake and the power of God hit him. I wonder if it was a left or a right hook. (laughs) Um, This is a suplex. Exactly. Kaboom. Um, And the presence of God fell upon the bar owner, Wanu recounted, and he got up uh, and then got baptized and that was it, and uh, they, they literally... So he... So you've heard, pray the gay away. Mm-hmm. He ate mm-hmm. the gay away. <laughs> Much I better. <laughs> exactly. Um, I wonder what kind of... See, my brain is just like, what kind of cake was it? Why does God hate gay people? So, uh, well, you know what's really funny is, is why does God... Well, it's, that, that's an interesting question. <clears throat> because homosexuality within the entire animal kingdom, including humans, because we're animals too, occurs with approximately 10% um, frequency. If you look at, yeah, you know, kind yeah, of a, yeah, across yeah. the spectrum. Yeah, 10% of each, like, mammalian species yeah. uh, engages in the homosexual activity. Yeah. I watched a video once, a long, a long time ago, a National Geographic thing, which, uh, you know, when you're a teenager and stuff like that, you know, sometimes animal porn is as close as you can get to porn. <coughs> so Serious catalog. Exactly. So I'm watching this stuff, and it was this thing on uh, pygmy, pygmy chimpanzees. And they would have sex with each other to calm, to calm them down, mm-hmm. right? Just kind of like they'd walk over, and one was like all freaked out, and they'd, they'd bend it over and just well, give it a couple of pumps. And that's, yeah, that's like bonobos are... As close to us as chimpanzees are, pretty much like they're the next on the line down. 
Um, and they have sex for everything. They say hello with sex, they say goodbye with sex, they wake up with sex. That's what they do. Sex is all over the place with bonobos, and they're as closely related to us as any other, as, as, as any primate species. So I'm part bonobo. That explains so a that's lot. That's right. That explains a lot. There's humans, chimps, and bonobos. Those are the, those are the, 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 the three great African apes, and then it goes to uh, gorillas, which is just a little bit uh, further down. Right. And then uh, we share common ex- ancestors with uh, those three and orangutans. One further generation. Right. Down. So, orangutans are the are, are one of the five. We're, we're these are the five great apes. Orangutans are the least related to us. I'm glad. I'm glad that orangutans are the least related to us because my head's fat enough, <laughs> without having those big floppy things on the side of my head. Um, those of you who know me, hopefully, are laughing with me and not just at me. <clears throat> well, I'm laughing um, at you. <laughs> thanks a lot, motherfucker. Um, okay, then. The, so the next story that I I wanted to do was part of, um, it's, it's part of a series, uh, a bunch of questions, and it's, uh, the series is called Talking to Church Leaders, and it was this, this article that I found online, and it's a lot to digest, and like, if we go through it now, then, you know, an hour and a half from now, <laughs> that we'll just be getting ready to go into the David Fitzgerald interview, and that's not cool. So, we're going to do a little bit of it uh, now, and then it'll be kind of come, uh, an ongoing thing, probably over the next three or four episodes, we'll chunk it up and chunk it up into little pieces like that. So, the first question that was asked uh, during this talking to church leaders, uh, basically, the first question was, "Is church attendance down?" What do you think, Dean? Do you, do you think church attendance is down? I certainly hope so, and I and just I haven't what, gone in weeks. From <laughs> just from what I I know from. Uh, just watching TV and things, is that it has gone down. There are more and more people that are um, not affiliated with any sort of religion. They're still religious by believing in God and things like that. I'm spiritual. But yeah, but but they're not going to church, nor they're not not ascribing to a certain religion. Well, sir, you're right. Church attendance is down. Yay. Not by the factor you may think, though. According According to these church leaders... Um, average church attendance now for the devoted class, they're calling them, is down to three times per month. Three times per month? Yeah. Okay, so this is just how often they go, and it's not an actual numbers thing. It's like like 100 fewer people are going. Yeah. <clears throat> so basically what they're, what they're talking about is, uh, and again, I, I, though there are pieces of this that go into actual numbers of congregations decreasing. But then there's another part of it that actually talks about the congregations themselves and members who are active or active members of congregations who are still attending less. Mm. And of those active members who are attending less, they're only attending about one week per month less. Ain't nobody got time for that. Exactly. (laughs) Um, The others, um, another subsection of that are broken up into going only once per month, but hitting all the holidays and special occasions, like we just, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus on a stick day today. Um, or no, sorry, Jesus on a stick day was Friday. Right. Jesus, uh, Heidi whole hands is today. <clears throat> what's tomorrow then? What's, what's Easter Monday? Easter, Easter, Monday. M- Easter Monday is, well, in Canada, it's just another holiday for some people and not for others. Yeah. 
not for me, but it is. But the ki- the kids aren't going. To I got to work too. But no, I don't. I don't. I don't think Easter Monday. It's a paid holiday for daycare, by the way. Really? Yeah, we got to pay for it, even though he doesn't go. Fuck. Same that. thing with Friday. I'm so glad I don't have kids anymore. <laughs> well, I still have a kid, but she's an adult. So. Um, yeah, so still hitting, you know, like the Christmas, so I guess like masses and shit like that and Easter. What's the other, what are the other big ones? Uh, Easter, Christmas. Fuck else is there? Uh, don't know. Well, then the Catholic Church, they have like the communion and shit, but don't they well, do yeah, that all the time? Are, yeah, those, I mean, I guess if you, if, if somebody goes, gets, gets, has a baby, gets baptized or somebody, you know, gets confirmed or like all those kind of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I guess it's really just the holy, quote unquote, holy week. And then Christmas and, and shit like that. Well, at least Jesus doesn't interfere with our lives too much. Yeah. Thanksgiving isn't any, doesn't have anything to do with religion. Mm. No, that's just... Well, it depends. Thanksgiving, well, the, interesting thing part th- the interesting thing about Thanksgiving, so the pilgrims, right? Thanksgiving, mm. right? So, I'm not a historian, right? I got a Z in science. <laughs> I got a Y in history. Um, but... <laughs> But, um, I remember, I remember reading about the whole story about, you know, pilgrims coming and stuff like that. So the funny thing about the pilgrims, um, do you know why the pilgrims came to North America? They were looking for India. Yeah, but they were, they left to escape religious persecution. Oh, right. Okay. So they, so they left England and, and North, cause they, it's like, oh, we're, we, we want to be able to worship the way we want to worship. <clears throat> and the funny thing is, is they came here. There's a whole bunch of Indian stuff like that. Hey, here's a Bible. You're a Christian now. Oh, and yeah. here's some infected towels and blankets and shit, too. Um, so it's rather ironic that they wanted to escape religious persecution, and then they religiously persecute the indigenous population. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's getting off topic. Now, does... Uh, so question 1B or 2, whatever you want to call it. Does the reduced attendance lead to less devotion? Difficult question. Now, they define devotion. Well, they didn't define devotion. My thought is devotion is the belief in the thing. Mm-hmm. Right? How devoted you are to the tenets of the belief. That's what I think. And, yes, and does, and does not attending church every Sunday mean that you are less devoted? Yeah, not according to the study. Apparently, faith still trumps all. That even though you're not going, the people who aren't going are still just as kooky as the ones who are going all the time. They still believe all the same dumb shit. Well, they do. Yeah. But they're not any less kooky for not going. Okay. According to the study. Which I, which I, what, which didn't surprise me at all. It didn't surprise me that, well, just because I'm not going doesn't mean I don't believe the thing anymore. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I I don't know the study the study that you're talking about, but do they later on break it down into age groups? Because I'm pretty sure that the younger generation is less devoted than an old than the older. Oh, generation. I think that no, I think that that I would hazard a guess that that goes almost without saying. Um, the category now kind of known as the nuns, N O N E S, um, is largely younger. Yes, even yo- much younger than we are. Um, well, long, younger than me, you're still a lot younger than I. <laughs> <clears throat> well, it also goes along with, the, uh, you know, liberalism in, in, in all the, like, they're, they're more, they're, they're less, um, bigoted in so many ways. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Um. All right. So I think that that's. Uh, I don't want to talk about too much more of that because there's other stuff and and uh, it'll we'll go down a rabbit hole too quickly if we dive into it too much. So the last thing that uh, I wanted to talk about before we get into the interview, and then like, like I said before, I think the interview will just kind of wrap up, um, wrap up the episode. But um, I did want to do a fallacy this week in our in our ongoing. A series of uh, logical fallacies, and the one that I wanted to uh, do this week is a burden of proof, which is a big one. It's a huge one. I didn't. Okay, so tell so tell me. Um, you talk about burden of proof. <laughs> burden of proof is is used by a lot of uh, apologists or or people who are fighting against uh, atheists and stuff like that. They always say that. Atheists always try to get them to say that the burden of proof is on them to prove that God exists. But we're saying that God doesn't exist. So the burden of proof uh, is on us to prove that he doesn't exist. Now, first of all, we're not going to even go into the fact that you can't prove a negative. But they always say that you're saying that he doesn't exist. So the burden of proof is on you just as much as it's on me to, to, that, that he does exist. But no, that's not how it is at all. Because... I have never claimed, well, I can't say that, but I have never claimed that God doesn't exist. I am rejecting your claim that he does exist. Right. So I'm not taking up a position where I assert something. If you assert God exists, you have to prove to me that he does. The burden of proof belongs on you. If you assert that, or if I tell you that there are magic fairies in my garden that make my flowers grow. Oh, yes. Then, and you say, I don't believe that. It's not your job to prove to me that I'm wrong about the fairies. Right. Because you say, I don't believe that. It is now my obligation to prove to you that these fairies do exist and make my flowers go. Yeah. Nice throw back to Douglas Adams, by the way. Um, But no, yeah, and, and, and I get this all the time. You know, and you mentioned it there, the null hypothesis, right? Yes. You know, proving the negative. Um, I... I remember reading somewhere that there are actually a couple of negatives you can prove, but I think I think it's more within the realm of, of science. And I got my Z in science, I'm not going to bother touching that. But for the most part, for the overwhelming majority, you know, it's like you can't prove, if, if I add the cab, okay, so there's um, the, the whole, um, the Russell's teapot, mm-hmm. right, yeah. circling around Saturn. You know, if I add the caveat that it's too that's too small to see, even with the most powerful telescope, well, you can't prove that it's not there because I've added that little caveat in there. Um, my favorite thing recently has been, um, well, you know, prove to me, you know, prove to me God doesn't exist. And I'll say which one, exactly, yeah, which God. And only a couple of times have I gotten well. There's only one God. And uh, I had this on Facebook. Uh, the other day, and when I got it on Facebook, and I said yes, 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 I said um, I should have known that. Of course, we're talking about the flying spaghetti monster, <laughs> and there was just this. Um, I could I could see the person on the other end. I couldn't see them, but I could imagine them sitting there going, "What the fuck is he talking? What the fuck is a flying spaghetti?" You know, I'm talking about the God of the Bible, blah blah blah. But it's all the same. Like to us, to the non-believers, like it's all the same. It's like yeah. whether we're talking about Zeus, Yahweh. Or Quetzalcoatl. Isis. It doesn't fucking matter which one it is. I don't think any one of these. And, and when I think about this, it makes me think of a quote from uh, The God Delusion. 
it's one of my favorite quotes. I put, I throw it up on Facebook every once in a while, um, from uh, Richard Dawkins, and the quote is, "I contend we're both atheists. I simply believe in one fewer god than you do. Yeah. Once you understand why you dismiss all other gods, you'll understand why I dismiss yours." Exactly. Um, and I love that quote. Um, most of the time, it's well received. Most of the time, it'll be a, a little, or hopefully, at, at least my impression has been that it's been somewhat provocative. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's, I never really thought of it that way. Yeah, all the thousands of God that existed before this one, you don't believe in th- that they're real at all. Yeah, like how how much time do you, I, I remember seeing uh, in a debate once, I think it was Aaron Ra, who said, how much time do you spend wondering or worrying how much you've offended Allah? Yeah. And the person was like, well, I don't. It's like, and, and Aaron was like, but why not? Why are you not petrified that he's going to make you suffer forever? Yeah. And he's like, well, but I don't, because I don't believe in that God. And then he just stood there and folded his arms. Mm-hmm. It was like, just like I don't believe in Yahweh. Yeah. And um, people clapped at that <laughs> point during the debate. It was, it was, uh, it was cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah, so yeah, the, the, the burden of proof, you know, essentially, yeah. If you, and I, I'm very careful. I've been having a lot of discussions lately with my father-in-law. Um, and because I um, talk about this a little bit in the interview with, uh, with David, I think. Because um, I, I got him uh, the new books for his birthday, which was in March. <laughs> He's reading them. And he, he is very quick to... He's sometimes quick to make assertions, and I just sit there and say, "Well, can you can you show me this thing? Because you know yeah. you're you seem pretty convinced of this thing, and you're saying that you know whatever this is, can you can you show this thing?" Um, and now we're starting to we're starting to branch into epistemology, and he's he's trying to convince me now, which is off the topic of burden of proof, but he's trying to convince me now that there are different way uh, there's different ways of coming to knowledge. Okay. From an epistemological perspective. Oh, like like not being taught in, in revelation is, is a way of coming to knowledge. Yeah, exactly. So like so like so he he believes that exposure to the supernatural is a way to come to knowledge. What the fuck is exposure to the supernatural? What does that mean? I don't know. You How can the ask fuck him. do you expose yourself to supernatural? Like, I don't is, he, know. is he is he is he is he wearing a robe that he opens up? And kind <laughs> of <laughs> and do you get fined? Exposing um, yourself, or do you to get the strokes in Indonesia? Uh, <laughs> Exposure yeah. to the supernatural. Yeah. So basically, well, fuck? I think like do you go like is there some place I can go? No, I think I think what he I think what he meant by that I may have misspoken. I think what he meant by that is when, when, it is revealed to you. So, so through personal revelation, I don't know what that means. You can come to know something the same way. And so we've had this anyway, way off burden of proof now. Um, but anyway, yeah, so burden of proof, um, is a logical fallacy. Don't do it. Um, I love what Aaron Ross says, uh, in lots of his stuff. He's basically debates. He says it in, um, foundational falsehoods of creationism as well. He says, if you can't show it, you don't know it. Yeah, and also let's not uh, uh, take uh, Christopher Hitchens out of this because that can be with that can, that can be asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. That's right. I have it on a T-shirt, <laughs> so it must be true. <clears throat> so, all right, 
so we're about uh, just a little over 30 minutes in. My interview um, with David goes for almost 40 minutes. So that takes us to record territory. That's yes. the longest episode for the CA yet. Um, so yay. Um, all right, so I so think... Buckle up. <laughs> so, so buckle up. Uh, lock the doors. <laughs> yeah, lock the doors. Da- uh, put your kids away. David uh, makes a lot of great points. And uh, so... And get we, his books. Yeah, get his books for sure. So we will uh, leave you for now and we'll hopefully be back with another uh, episode next week we had a little bit of a break i was on holidays dean has a real job and so there was a, a hard real job too well you know it was, but it was hard to get together right <laughs> i have i have i have the luxury of having a little bit more freedom and not young kids yeah uh more than you do so kids suck <laughs> kids suck <laughs> yeah kids suck they well, ruin yeah. your life exactly don't ever have them though yeah. um all right so so here's the uh, interview with, uh, with David, and with that, we will uh, sign off. Until next time, I have been Michael. And I have been Dean. Bub. Right, so joining me now is uh, someone who, if you're, in, if you're in the atheist community at all, doesn't really need much of an introduction. Um, if you don't know who he is, I'd ask you to c- crawl it from the rock that you've been living under uh, and read a book. And uh, you could start with, perhaps Nailed, um, the or the complete uh, Western, pardon me, the complete Heretics Guide to Western Religion, Book One, the Mormons, uh, or you could even now uh, go to his uh, newest one, which is called Jesus Mything in Action. And uh, so joining me now is David Fitzgerald. David, welcome to the Canadian Atheist, and thank you for being thank you, here. Sir, great to be here. So, uh, before we lead up to the the new uh, the new book, um, and why it's three and not one. Um, <laughs> but we can, we, we can talk about that. Um, sure. I wanted to talk about, uh, nailed first. Sure. First question I have for you is, um, in putting out this, this new trilogy of books, do, do you need to read nailed first? Oh, that is a great question. Well, I explain it like this. Nailed was set out to just lay out the top 10 ways that the official Christian story just doesn't pass water. It, it fails the reality test. Um, so it's it's definitely focused on the Christian arguments that we hear about the Jesus of faith. Right. Um, and when I wrote it, you know, I thought that's all needed to be said. Um, I had a chapter in there, you'll remember, called uh, Can Jesus Be Saved? Yep. Where I, I point out all the ways that things would be different in the New Testament, in early Christian history, in Western history, if Jesus had just been a normal guy, a regular guy. Mm. And um, what surprised me the most about the reaction to Nail was how many people, A, said something like, oh, well, that's just the Jesus of faith. We knew that guy didn't exist. Um, And the ones who said, oh, but there's great evidence that there was at least a guy named Jesus. And then they go on and tell me who they think Jesus was. Um, And... And that's fine. I mean, I don't have a problem with people disagreeing with me. But the fact is, yeah, I wrote Nail because I was convinced that there was not even a guy named Jesus at all. Um, the way Robert Price puts it is, even if there had been some itinerant Judean preacher going around in the first century, for all extents and purposes, there's not one anymore because all our sources for that guy have nothing to do with anyone who actually lived in the first century. And... Some atheists of our fellow atheists were even more vocal than that. 
about uh, their their objection to that theory that Jesus didn't exist. Well, yeah, and it's, so it's, that's why I felt the need to write Jesus mything in action was to respond to the atheist audience that doesn't think Jesus mythicism is to be taken seriously. It, it's funny there there really is there really is no middle ground. Uh, I think yeah. it's much. I think it's much like the question of you know of atheism versus theism itself. Either you have a belief or you don't. <clears throat> when you look at the Jesus question, I, I'm not sure you can be. I'm not sure you can be agnostic about that question. Um, and and you really like when the first time I read Nailed, I finished it up and then I flipped back to page one and I read it again. Uh, that and, warms my heart, Michael. <laughs> and and the in, because the interesting thing about it was. And and how and how you talk about it, like in, in the leading up to it, you know, didn't didn't there have to be a guy? Didn't there, you know, and you questioning yourself, didn't there have to be at least a guy? And as you're reading through it, it's like, no, there didn't have to be a guy. And you said something recently on a, on another interview that I found very interesting, and that is what that isn't that is that you don't have a dog in this race, right? That right. that we you know, like the royal we, the atheist community, we don't yeah. need him to be fake. Absolutely. We don't need him to be a myth, but Christians need him not to be a exactly, myth. Exactly, because you know? if you if you pull like if you're playing Jenga, you you pull the Jesus piece out and the whole thing topples over. Yeah. Because there's no because I use that analogy in the book too. Oh yeah, I, I haven't I told you I haven't I haven't cracked it yet, but that's um, very funny. But yeah, you're totally spot on. Um, and the funny thing about it is like if there was a real Jesus I'm fine with that. It's not like Christianity is going to start making sense because there was a, a itinerant, you know, Jesus floating around the first century. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's nothing improbable about that. Right. But it's just a matter that, given our evidence, that's not what I think happened, and it seems to be that all our evidence points in a completely different direction. And right. that's what fascinates me about the whole topic. And, and the only reason it's even important at all for atheists to argue about this is because. No matter which side comes out on top, the historicist side who say there was a Jesus and the mythicist side who said there wasn't, no matter how that shakes out, the Jesus of faith gets debunked either way. Because right. the one thing that we are going to learn from the back and forth in this discussion is just what we can know for sure about what Jesus said, what he did, what he was. And anyone who tries to tell you that they know what Jesus would say about how to think or behave or vote that gets shot completely out of the water, whether it's a yeah. Jesus or not. No, it's true. So, um, so I, I have a, a, my father-in-law. Yeah. His, uh, his name is Gerard, 77 year old, uh, staunch Catholic. And, <laughs> uh, last year for Christmas, for Christmas, I gave him a copy and nailed. That is the best Christmas gift <laughs> ever. Yeah. And, uh, he opened it up and he turned <laughs> it to, attack. no, well, no, he, he turned it to the side and he's oh, and he was peaked, and he sat there, Christmas morning. People opening presents around it, Mister Open it, started reading it, and we have had. I got to tell you, we the discussions we have had around that book have been the stuff of legends, at least as far as our family is concerned. Um, he he said to me once he, uh, I, I was over visiting with my wife, <clears throat> and he said uh, he speaks with a very thick French accent. And he said, uh, I won't try to copy the accent, but he said, uh, he said, I need to talk to you about this book and this guy who wrote it. <laughs> and, and he said, he said, I don't like this guy. Oh, no. And I said, and I said, well, really? I said, well, 
you know, I haven't met him, but, um, you know, we're friends on, on Facebook and, and stuff like that. And I said, but... He seems quite nice. Yeah, he seems like a nice enough guy. What is it about, what is it about this that you don't like? It's the way he writes. Uh, and I said, well, what is, so, so I just started asking him questions. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And after about an hour of poking yeah. at him, yeah. he, he, he would not say the words, but in, in the most direct way that a man whose, whose beliefs at their core were being questioned, what, yeah. he, what he essentially said was, he said, and what we eventually admitted to was, it's not... It's not how it was said. So it wasn't your writing style. It was that it was the things you were saying. And then when he would go look it up, because he would say, he said to me, he said, I sat there with the book and I sat there with my Bible and he would look stuff up. Yeah. And it was the fact that you were pulling, you were pulling at a sweater that he was very comfortable in. Ah, uh, that I get. That makes perfect sense. And so when you're doing that, you're, you're like, you know, you're taking my sweater away. You're taking my comfort away. Right. It leads, it leads back to what we said b- before, saying that, you know, he, quote unquote, needs Jesus to be real. Yeah. We, we, don't, need, we don't have that same need. And so we, you know, we, have the, we, we had these discussions, and they, they're still ongoing. And so this year for his, uh, for his birthday which is just uh, this past uh, uh, month, just uh, March. Yeah. <clears throat> Your book wasn't released yet, so I printed out three, uh, basically, pages with the, 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 the front of each of the books. Oh, the cover? The book the, covers? The book uh-huh. covers. And I put that in the card, and I said, you know, these are on the way. And he says, it's from that same man. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, they are. Are they going to upset me the same way the first book did? <laughs> And I said, probably. <laughs> and he said, and he said, well, then we will have some discussions. <laughs> Bless his heart. That's yeah. awesome. So, uh, so I know he's looking forward to it. Um, and once, uh, once Amazon gets, uh, gets their, their act together, we'll, uh, he'll have those books to read. So oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. That is brilliant. <clears throat> so a new book. Well, three books. Yes. Yes. I so, should probably explain why that is first, yes. shouldn't I? So how do we get to three? Yeah, well, it didn't mean to be three. I fully intended to be just one book, another another book in the Complete Heretic's Guide to Western Religion series. And um, when I was done with it, all things, it, it took me four years to write it. It was, took much longer than I expected. Um, and by the time uh, everything was said and done, I said, oh, wow, this is going to be a big book. This is like 500 and something pages, almost 600 pages. So I was talking to Dave Smalley, who does my audiobooks. Oh, sure, Dogma Debate. And, yep. and uh, from Dogma Debate, and um, he was saying, "Now wait a second. Uh, you said the word count is just over a quarter of a million words." I said, "Yeah, but the page count is only 600." I said, "Yeah," and he says, "Well, is that eight and a half by eleven, or is that six by nine? And I went, "Oh, no. oh so shit!" <laughs> when we shrunk it down to the actual book size. Now we're looking at a book that's about 900 pages. I think wow. 860 was the, the, the grand total. And so he's like, yeah, that's uh, the, the Old Testament's not that long. We, we yeah. have to cut it down. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of sleepless nights later, I realized, yeah, we're going to have to break it up. So we broke it up into three reader-friendly, easier-to-read books. And I'm glad I did. For as nervous as I was about sticking, shoehorning a, a three-part 
book into a ongoing series, I'm I'm really glad we did it this way. So how does so if I pick up so if I have my copy here, um, you know yeah. Jesus Mythic Action Volume One, where does it stop and the next book pick up? I tried to keep one and two uh, the the break as natural as possible. Okay. Volume one starts out talking about the myths of mythicism, talking about why more historians aren't on board with it, some of the, the misapprehension uh, of the stigma that mythicism is facing from both the secular audience and the, and the Christian audience. Oh, sure, and why yeah. that is. Yeah. Um, as soon as you say that break, word, as soon as you say that word myth, you're essentially right. saying, you know, you're saying you know, that this is not, that this is not something that's established, right? Yeah, oh, Absolutely. And, and that's where we, we start is um, talking about, well, if there is a Jesus, what do our sources say for him? And that should be the first – that shouldn't even be controversial. That should have been the first question we out, out of the gate is that if this guy was real, what are our sources and what do our sources say about him? Yep. And then it goes from there uh, into what our sources are. Right. And then showing, showing their construction, showing how they're not oral tradition, that they're not all for independent – uh, biographies written by eyewitnesses, all these things that the, the are commonly held uh, to be the case. I think even a lot of atheists will be surprised by that. that mm, uh, interesting. I can't wait now. Um, and book three was easy to chop because it's was it's. I'm calling it the Gospel according to H.G. Wells. Right. Yeah. And what it is is I just take the what. Neil deGrasse Tyson and Carl Sagan did with Cosmos, and instead of having a spaceship of the imagination, I have a time machine of the imagination, and we right. go through the origins and evolution of Christianity that way. Right. And I, that's the most fun part of the book, I think. So you talked a little bit in uh, in Nail, just to go back to Nail for a second, you talked a little bit about how, uh, I can't remember what part of the book, but you talked about uh, Richard Carrier. And yep. uh, uh, his his two book series um, the, on the base uh, base theorem and then on uh, historicity of Jesus. Right. Did you have? Did one, you? Yeah. One is proving history. Really, Jesus. Right. That's right. Yeah. Did you reach out to him at all for these books? Oh God, he and I are best friends, and we've been collaborating together for years. Okay. I feel like my job is to be the um, the anger manager <laughs> translator for <laughs> Richard Carrier in a way. It's like his books are awesome. Richard uh, Broder Price's books are awesome. Yeah. You know, there's all these great mythicist writers out there, Earl Doherty, uh, uh, Wells, but they're not easy to read mm -hmm. by any stretch. Yeah, um, no, it's funny. I mean, yeah. I met, uh, I met Richard uh, Carrier at a CFI event in Toronto a couple of years back, and uh, he was talking like very much in the same vein uh, about what you just mentioned, looking at yeah. uh, you know the what the sources say, and yeah. so he he had a PowerPoint presentation, and he was saying you know these are some of the claims, and then right. he and then he the next slide was a blank slide, and the blank slide is like and here's everything they have to back it up, <laughs> <clears throat> and there was there was raucous laughter throughout the entire auditorium. Everybody lost their shit. It was I just like hysterical. Think that since we've met each other, that my talks have gotten a lot more informative, and his talks have gotten a lot more funny. Yeah, well, and and maybe and maybe that's a, and maybe that's the case. But the, it's funny that that begs an interesting question. Um, I watched you at a panel discussion once. I saw it on a, a YouTube video. It was a panel uh -huh. discussion with you and I believe Roger uh, Robert Price, and it may have been Richard Carrier. And you were talking, yeah. and you were talking about you were talking specifically about how you hated debates. Yes. 
which is really ironic because your books crave ba- debate. Like your, right. your, your books say, argue with me about this. Yeah. And the reason I say I hate debates, even though I do them all the time, is so often it feels like the both parties are speaking past each other. Mm. And nothing really gets happening until the Q&A at the end. Right. And people go in. It's, you know, it's more gladiatorial combat. It's not a discussion of the pros and cons because – especially when you're debating with Christians because I don't recommend – you know, your father-in-law blesses hard that you're having that discussion. That's awesome, and I would love to see that happening across the board all over the world. Yeah. But for the most part, I, I recommend Christians from bringing up the historicity argument because it's such a, a kryptonite for Christianity. It's mm. such a deal killer, discussion killer. Um, you're either on board with it or you're not. And Christians can't even afford to have a relaxed agnosticism about, well, maybe my Lord and Savior didn't exist. You know, yeah, that, exactly. that never, never happened. Yeah, yeah. Never will you hear somebody like William Lane Craig say that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, Not even for argument's sake would they say that. No, it's, it's, it's funny because you, you know, oftentimes in debates or discussion, don't you hear people say, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll give an inch. Um, yeah. you know, or they'll, they'll concede a small point in right. order to make headway in something later on. Right. But, but the staunch, you know, the, the guys like Cy Ten, the guys like all these other people who are just so, I mean, they have, they were born with blinders on. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they, and they won't give anything. They, um, Matt Dillahunty said it once during a bait. He said, you know, he said, he said, I'm, I am capable of putting on your hat for a moment to try to look at it from your point of view but you but you seem incapable of doing the same or unwilling of doing the yeah. same thing to even entertain the notion of it even entertain it. and you know it's funny as for as terrified as most christians are about evolution when push comes to shove this is even worse than evolution because you can twist your faith to make some room for evolution oh yeah, increasingly. yeah. that's just the way god did it doing that yeah, yeah that's, that's just absolutely. the way god did it but you can't do that with jesus myth there's, no, it's either. Yeah, you know, it is either or. It's all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I have a few questions. A couple that were sent in, and a couple uh, from my uh, from my podcast partner Dean, who was not able to be here uh, for this discussion. So, um, so the first question, and you you've talked about this before about the fact that you were raised in a in a religious uh, family. Southern Baptist baby, right. all the way. <clears throat> so, so when did that end? That's funny. Um, that ended in college, and uh, it, if we have time for it, I'll tell the little story, the nutshell version. I used to flirt with this girl by having theological arguments with her, and Sexy. one day, yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, that's the Baptist way. Uh, and one day we were going, you know, knocking heads about that, and she goes, "Well, Dave, you know, the Hindu religion is like three thousand years older than Christianity," and I was all set to jump down her case and go, "Oh no, it's not," but I froze because. Before I could get a word out of my mouth, it occurred to me, huh, you know, I have no idea if Hinduism is older than Christianity. And the, the realization that I was about to say something that I didn't know if it was true or not, right. that realization freaked me right out. And, you know, some people talk about how it, this slow erosion of their Christianity, I can remember the second I was a Christian and the second that I was not because it was all of a sudden, what have I done? I'm just as bad as the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm right. just repeating what I was taught. Right. And from that millisecond on, Christianity just, boom, it felt fake, seemed fake. And I had never 
you know, it, it just bam. Uh, I never could look at it the same way. It was like I'd lost my virginity. And, oh, that's uh, interesting. And, and Christianity was just gone. So, so at what point then did you go from, well, I don't believe in any of that stuff, you know, that silly stuff anymore, yeah. to, um, yeah, your, your dude on the stick is totally phony. Yeah, I was a totally happy atheist for 16 years. It never even crossed my mind that there might not be a Jesus. Um, and then one day I read a book. Uh, you may have seen it. It's called the um, Ken's Guide to the Bible by yep. Ken Smith. Yep. Great book. Hilarious book. And um, th- I can literally say that that book changed my life because it was just a fun-ass book. Um, and one of the things it did was pointing out how, depending on which gospel you're reading, you get the, the idea that, oh, Jesus was a commie or <laughs> Jesus right. was a, a fat hedonist, you know, the yeah. pink tubby Jesus and, and pinko Jesus. And it made me wonder, huh, you know, I wonder what the real Jesus was and which is just legendary, you know, accumulation that came later. Right. And so that's when I started getting interested in the subject of what he really – how we could parse that out. And um, you made the sweater analogy. Yeah, once you start pulling on that thread, all of a sudden you've got no sweater. And yeah, and it's it's interesting. And then the, the discussions with my um – you know, with, with my, my father-in-law about, about these kinds of things, it's, you know, it's, so, you know, he, you know, you know, the Catholic upbringing and stuff like that. So you, Southern Baptist, um, how's your relationship with your family? You know, I mean, the, the brothers and sisters love it. They're, they're super proud of me. The folks have a problem with it because, you know, it's, it's tough, but, um, I had the opportunity to speak at our college in, in my hometown and my dad was in the audience. And I've, I mean, I've given this talk before hundreds of people, thousands of people, you know. Uh, but I've never been so nervous as having my dad sitting there in the front row watching. Scowling me. at you. He wasn't scowling, but, yeah. you know, uh, at the end of it, he said, well, you know, son, I didn't agree with anything you said, but I thought you did a really good job, you know. Right. You're completely <laughs> wrong, but nice job. Yeah. Really good job, yeah. Right. And that's kind of how it is now. Right. Well, that's uh, that's very cool. Okay, so so you've done, so you've done nailed, one book, and now you have yep. a compendium of three more books uh, yep. leading up to this. You had um, uh, book one, the Mormons, yep. <laughs> which was, oh, have, uh, so quick question: Have you seen uh, Book of Mormon, the play? Yes. Holy Hilarious. shit! Yeah, unbelievable. Um, my my have wife is a big now. They, there's a uh, Lego Book of Mormon. From the same person that did the Brick Bible. Oh, I have the Brick Bible sitting over here on my shelf. Yeah, that's hysterical. You know that's an atheist author who writes those? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really yeah. funny. That's yeah. really funny. Um, so my wife, who loves musicals, she figured this was one she could get me to go to because I don't like musicals. So she will typically, she likes to download the soundtracks ahead ah. of time so she knows the songs. And... You know, we, we barely got through, uh, you know, the first one. Uh, you know, the, it was just, yeah, very, very yeah. funny. And uh, and you had to go. You, you were sold? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. They were, only, they were only in Toronto for a short time, but uh, I'm, no. glad that, I'm glad that we got a chance to, uh, to see it. Okay, so we've had those books. So, so what's next? What's the next ah. uh, book in the series? Because, like, yeah, in, in, in my mind, you've got, I mean, you've got so many to choose from. Like you got, you, you got the JWs, 
which would be that's coming. That's coming. That would be hysterical. Uh, but before I do the JW, that's the second book in the pipeline. The first one is going to be based on my sex and violence talk. If you've seen that one, I have not seen that one. It's it's sexy violence, violent sex, the weird ass morality of the Bible. That's going to be the next book in the series. I will have to look that up. I will have to look that. What's the timeline for that one? Uh, well, I've got two other books that I need that I'm contractually obligated to finish first. So it will probably be in uh, next year that I'll start. I think I'll be working on the Sex and Violence book and the JW book concurrently uh, okay. and see if I can't get them out in two years or so. Yeah, you said this thing. I studied with uh, witnesses for almost three years. Oh, man. They, uh, <clears throat> they knocked on the door, and uh, I invited them in. And I went through the whole, I went through the Live Forever book. I went through, you know, the Bible, God's Word, or Man's. I went through all of their literature. I went to one of their conventions. So they, they would have... Um, wow, you were hardcore. Oh, yeah. Um, they're one of their, uh, the, in Canada, they do a, their annual convention in Hamilton. Uh-huh. And at uh, Cops Coliseum, which is uh, maybe 20,000 people, went there. It's where they do a lot of the baptisms. They do, like, mass baptisms and stuff like that with, a you know, a little blow-up uh, dinosaur pool and, and shit. Uh-huh. And quite literally, the one they had was a blow-up dinosaur pool. Um, the irony level of that alone, it blows yeah, my mind. Exactly. So um, went there with, through, through the whole thing. I went to the Bethel uh, that was in Georgetown uh, in uh, in Ontario, not too far away. Stuff like that where they print it, where they would distribute the watchtower and all that other stuff. And I, I finally got to the point where after all this time, um, and, and I was an atheist during this whole thing, but they yeah. they looked at me as this project. Right. And I know Sierra's like, if we can get this fucking guy, if we can get this guy, we can get everybody. We can get anybody. Um, I'm so going to be talking to you when it comes time to do the JW book. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, I I still get uh, every once in a while. They they st- I'll come home from work. I'll we'll come home from somewhere and there'll be a watchtower stuck in the door with a little note. Um, uh, from uh, from Christopher, who's one of the guys who came uh, to see me, note saying sorry we missed you, and uh, you know, and the the watchtower stuck in the door. So feel free to reach out. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Uh, Scientology. You know, or are they are they too I litigious for you? Better security budget. As far as I'm concerned, Islam and Scientology are both a one true faith. Yeah. I'm not gonna take on either of those guys. Yeah. Besides the ex Scientologists, they are doing an awesome job right now. Yeah, there's a couple of great uh, programs going on. Um, yeah, was it uh, is it Chris Shelton? Oh, uh, Leah Remini is, Remini is who I'm thinking of. Yeah, she's doing the series on A and E or something. Was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's really good. Um, so there's not going to be a um a, a color me Mohammed uh, book coming out by David Fitzgerald. <laughs> you know what? I think there's enough blasphemy in Jesus mything in action to even offend the Muslims as well. Really? That's uh, spectacular. Yeah, because uh, not only is Jesus a prophet in Islam, right. uh, along with Moses, but um, I do have some things to say about uh, Muhammad's historicity. Oh, one of the interesting. That, one, of the, one of the things when you do a project like this, when you get into a topic like this, it's all these interesting side effects that pop out. And um, I can't tell you how many times I've had Buddhists or ex-Muslims tell me, yeah, we're having these same arguments in our circles about whether the Buddha existed, whether Muhammad existed. Right. And that blew my mind to think that Muhammad didn't exist. Yeah, and I mean. When they started telling me why they were saying that, it was like, oh, now I see now yeah. it sounds like we're talking it's so much so that it's beginning to make me wonder if the usual rule for major religions is to start with a mythical founder right and go from there and go from there um, yeah. and that 
things like Mormonism and Scientology are out the, the outliers in that they actually had a person, you know, a real right. person. Yeah, I, I, you've got you certainly got a lot to choose from. You certainly have a lot for to sure. choose from. That's that's for, for sure. sure. Well, um, so I'm going to recommend to uh, to all my listeners to uh, go out and pick up uh, the new trilogy by David Fitzgerald, uh, Jesus Mything in Action, and uh, they're available on Amazon. I'm assuming that's right. And, and ebook and audiobook is coming down the lo- the line eventually too. Right. Uh, okay. Good. I, I oftentimes have I often have more time to listen than I right. do to read, and right. so uh, the the audiobooks are the audiobooks are I really like, and I love the fact that nailed you did you did yourself. So yes. yeah, I'm trying to do that for all the books from here on out as yeah. well. And that was interesting uh-huh. because it gives you that little bit of insight. Like when you, um, it was, it was the same, like with, uh, when I, when I read the, when I read, um, God is not great by Christopher Hitchens. Uh-huh. And then I listened to the audio audio book, you know, it was, it was great to hear it in his voice as well. Yeah. You know, like, you know, yeah. straight, straight from the horse, so to speak. Um, and you can, you can like expand on some things when you're doing an audio book as well. Yeah, you can't exactly. do it in a bridge form, but you can do it in an expanded form, which is nice too. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's neat. That's neat. Yeah. Um, will there be um, PDFs and stuff? So in the in nailed, you had a, uh, one of the my favorite PDFs was the timeline, when you talked yeah. about uh, you know like here's you know here's when we know that here's to the best of our knowledge when the first gospels were written, right. uh, and how that fits in when you know with when all you guys think Jesus was alive, um, and w- will there be that type of um, uh, with, with, with the audiobook, yeah, accessories and stuff available with the audiobooks yeah. as well. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't think there's as big a need in Mything in Action for that. There's some footnotes that should probably go in there, but uh, for the most part, people who like the footnotes, I would recommend buying the book and um, uh, in paperback or or e form, either one of those formats. Right. And uh, everybody else can get the audiobook when it comes out. Though that's going to be a little further down the line, probably. Not till this summer that that's coming out. Oh, okay. And uh, I, you also um, you also said, and I hope you're okay with me me saying this, but you had said before that if people wanted to reach out to you, if they wanted a signed copy, they could just uh, reach out to you directly. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. If you um, you can find me on Facebook or you can send me an email at everybodylovesdave at gmail dot com. And yeah, I'm perfectly happy to sell directly to people to give them an autograph copy. Right. If they're if they're in the United States, when it gets trickier when it's in Canada, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But we can still work it out. Yeah. Uh, well, like, you know, bring the book. Stay for the healthcare. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and we have a cool prime minister. Um, yes, you do. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I don't even want to get into Trump right now because uh, no, let's yeah. not. It's it's, it's too much. much. It's too much. It's. And how ironic is it that the people who – the only people who believe in the Antichrist are the ones who elected him in droves. Yep. <clears throat> yep. And uh, yeah, no. Not, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> All right. Well, um, everybody, go out and get yourself a uh, copy of these, these three new books and uh, get yourself nailed as well. Get um, a book on the Mormons and, uh, and look for the, the new stuff that's coming, coming out from David Fitzgerald soon. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was uh, great to have you, and I look forward to the opportunity of perhaps uh, one day meeting you in person. I would love that. In fact, if anybody in there has some ideas about getting me to Toronto or to Vancouver, there's some some, some talk about that right now that I'm in talks with people to do that. But if you have a local group near you uh, that wants to have me come out there and talk, I'm all for it. I'd love that. That would be awesome. All right, David, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. All right, take care. Bye-bye. 
Take care. This has been the CA. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please drop by the iTunes store and give us a review and subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they release. Just a reminder, the views expressed on this broadcast are solely those of the hosts and are for entertainment purposes only. Never take advice from two guys expressing an opinion on a podcast. That's just silly. See you back here soon.